0: Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. My sermon title tonight is Cleaning House. Cleaning House. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's about time. It's about time to clean your house. It's about time to clean your house, um, one of the things that I cannot stand, for those that know me, is I can't stand a messy place. Anybody with me, right? Uh, like, you ever, parents, you ever tell your student, like, you better clean your room before today ends, and you go back into your kid's room the next day, and it's still just chaotic, and they're on the, the, the game system, they're playing Fortnite, they're on the Xbox, they're on PS4, like, Hey, when are you going to take care of your room? You know, I'm not going to be here to pick up after you forever. For me, I'm the type of person that likes to keep things in order, and I like to keep things organized. I'm what you call a melancholy. I'm what you call a melancholy. I like keeping things organized. I think I like keeping things clean. And for some people, that may get on their nerves because they don't like schedules or routines, and they don't like organization as much, but that's just how God created me. And maybe you're in this place and you're asking yourself, you know, Caleb, I'm having an issue in my life. I can't seem to keep things organized. I can't seem to keep things in order. I'm going to give you a little secret real quick. For all the ladies in here that have so much clothes, you don't even know what to do with it. You probably wear 10% of your wardrobe. Is it just me? Okay. I have a lot of clothes too. So recently I had to go in my closet because I noticed I had a lot of stuff I didn't wear anymore. I've accumulated over the years. And what I decided to do is, like, you know, I don't need to keep any of this stuff anymore. I got to get rid of it. You know, and one of the things I tell people is, you know, if you want to remove clutter from your life, you got to know when to kick some things out and make room for other things so that way you have more space and more organization. I'm not saying throw everything in the trash. What I'm saying is sometimes you can donate it to somebody that's in need. You can sell it even. Or some things just are trash, okay? I know that some trash is another person's treasure. But sometimes you got to make room for something better. Anybody with me tonight? So if you want to make sure you live a clean and organized life and you don't want to end up on the TV show Hoarders, <laughs> then you've got to be able and you've got to be willing to remove things from your life. You know, one of the reasons that I love Jesus is that Jesus knew how to clean house. Yeah. Jesus knew how to keep things in order. He knew how things were supposed to go. And Jesus knew that in order for him to keep things organized, in order for things to be the way that they were supposed to be... He had to kick some things out of places, amen? You know, I think a lot of times whenever we think about Jesus, whenever we envision Jesus nowadays, we think about Jesus in the movies with the long brown flowing hair, with the bright blue eyes, with the perfect smile. And he's there, he's dressed perfectly, he's holding a lamb, he's smiling, and he's just so loving. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And tonight, I want to look at a story where we don't really find that Jesus. We, we, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> we don't really find that Jesus. You know, I've heard people say, you know, some people flip the birds, but Jesus knew how to flip some tables. Yeah. Jesus knew how to flip some tables. And, and did you know that Jesus himself got angry sometimes? Yeah. He had a righteous anger. And the, the anger that God has and the anger, that, the anger that Jesus felt in the story you're about to read is much different than the anger that we feel a lot of times towards other people. Because Jesus knows the beginning and the end. He knows the reason and he knows the season for all things. He knows the purpose and he knows the plan. He he knows everything. So whenever God gets angry and whenever Jesus gets angry, you better believe that he has a reason for his anger. He has a reason for his anger. Tonight, I want to go over the story where Jesus cleanses the temple. He cleans the house. I think we're all familiar with the story. Jesus enters Jerusalem. He's on a donkey. And the first place that Jesus goes to whenever he enters the, the city of Jerusalem, he goes to the temple. So whenever Jesus enters Jerusalem, he goes to the temple. And the first place that he goes to is the first place that he goes to whenever he enters Jerusalem is the temple. And you got to realize that the temple was everything for a Jew. The temple was the political center. The, the temple in Jerusalem was the economic center. The, the, the temple was the business center for the Jew. It was the religious center for the Jews. It was a place where they would go to fellowship. They would go and talk to one another. They would go and hang out. They would go and build relationships. But originally, the temple, was just simply a place where humanity would meet with divinity. It was a place where heaven would invade earth. It, it was a place where, where God's spirit lived. It was, a, it was the place where the presence of God was. But over time, the temple had become corrupted and the temple became polluted, and people started doing things that wasn't God's intention for the temple. And I wanna, take at, I wanna take a look at the story, and if you can please stand with me tonight as we get into the word of God, in respect of God's word, in John chapter two, verse 13 through 22, where Jesus cleanses the temple. He cleanses the temple. And I wanna look at the three different accounts. So there's, this, this, this story right here, whenever Jesus flips over the tables and he cleanses the temple, This is one of the few stories that's recorded in all four Gospels. And one thing I love about the different Gospels is, you know, each author, you know, even for the same story, they wrote different things because they had different perspectives on the situations. And they may have seen some different value in the importance of the event that took place. And they recorded different things. But I want to start off with John and then we'll get into Mark and Matthew. And then let's do it. All right. So John chapter 2, verse 13 through 22, it says this. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover... Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. Pause for a second. Cords in the Greek translation means cloths. So it wasn't like a metal whip, but it was a whip made out of cloth so it wouldn't harm somebody too much. And what he used that for was getting things off the temple and actually whipping the cattle and the different things out of the temple. And what it says right here is that he, so he made a whip out of cords and drove all, the, all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables to those, <clears throat> to those who sold doves. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Pause for a second. And in Matthew's account of this story right here, you actually find Jesus saying, my father's house or my house is called to be a house of prayer. But you've made it into a den of thieves. Whenever Jesus says that, he's actually perfectly quoting the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, Isaiah says, My house shall be a house of prayer. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11, he says, You've made, whenever Jeremiah enters the temple back in his day, he says, You have made. This house, you have made the temple into the den of thieves. I think that's awesome because Jesus Christ, you know, he just didn't say the word, but he was the living word. Amen. His disciples remembered what is written. Zeal for your house will consume, consume me. Whenever they saw Jesus do these things. The Jews then responded to him. What, co- what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had, he had spoken of was his body. And he, ra- and he was raised from the dead. And he was raised from the dead. His disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Then we're going to jump over to Mark chapter 11, verse 18. This is after Jesus did all the things that John had said. It says this. It says the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking For a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and it's the last scripture that we're going to read right now in this moment. It says, "The blind and the lame." And this is after this is after Jesus did all these things. It says, "This the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple." And they healed them, And I want to go over what we read a little bit more. But to all the visual learners in this place, you can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for standing in respect of God's word. But to all the visual learners in this place, I want to show you guys a picture of the temple during Jesus' day. And I want to talk about the importance of what was taking place and why Jesus got angry. So this is the temple back in Jesus' day right here. The temple. And I want to talk a little bit about how it's set up. So you have the temple. Thank you, Jonathan, for, for getting this laser pointer right here. This thing helps out a lot. You guys can see that, right? Cool. So this is the temple. We already talked about what the temple was, why it was important, why it was significant. Well, this was the temple. The temple was made up in three different parts. The temple had the outer court, which is the court of the Gentiles right here. That was the other name for it, the outer court, this whole outlying area right here. And you actually see the people walking in. Now the court of Gentiles was a place where the Jews and the people who were not Jews could enter into the temple. Now this was the place where cattle, where sheep, and where dove were sold as well. And this was the place where the money changers were as well. This is the first place that people would enter into whenever they entered the temple. And this is the temple on the outside area right here. And you know theologians actually believe that whenever Jesus flipped the tables, that he was actually in this bottom left area right here. He was in this bottom left area right here. And then you have the inner courts right here, which is known as the court of the Jews. The court of the Jews. The only people that could, you know, have access to the court of the Jews during that time were, you guessed it, the Jews. And what happened in this area was, this is where the Jews made sacrifices. You can actually see the altar right here. And also, people would be worshiping God from out here. Maybe the Gentiles who couldn't enter into the inner court. But for those that could enter into the inner court after they purchased animals out here, they would come right here and they would make a sacrifice and they would worship God. And then right here in this big building right here, this was the holy of holies. Uh, this is where the presence of God was. This is what made the temple of God the temple of God. And the only people that could enter into this area right here were the Levitical priest and the high priest. Only the high priest could Enter into the temple as the, of the, the Holy of Holies part of the temple once a year on behalf of the nation of Israel for the atonement and, and for, for asking God for forgiveness for their sin. But how many of you are thankful that we had our high priest Jesus Christ lay everything down one time so that way we can have access <laughs> to his presence for eternity? So the temple population would vary depending on the time that it was of the year. So, for example, the population of Jerusalem was somewhere between 80 to 100,000 people during Jesus' day and age. But whenever special events had taken place like the Passover, and the Passover was simply a time where where the Jews would gather once a year and celebrate and remember the time that God had delivered them from Egypt. God had delivered them from slavery. And this was an eight day event that took place, but guess what, Jesus happens to come into Jerusalem during the time of the Passover. And the population of Jerusalem during this time would jump from 80 to 100,000 people to two to three million people. So you can imagine that this court was full. There was a lot of people at this court. And not only that, that was a great opportunity for people to make money, for people to make business transactions, and for people to make profits. So what they would do was these, these, the 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 Jews, whenever they came to the temple, what they would do during the Passover is they would make sacrifices unto God. They would worship God. They would praise God, and they would travel from all over. A lot of them decided not to bring any animals with them. They decided not to bring cattle. Decided not to bring sheep. Decided not to bring dove. And depending on you know how much money you had, how much income you had, that was depending you know what kind of sacrifices that you made. So a lot of the, the people that didn't make a lot of money. They would buy doves, or they would bring doves, and they would sacrifice doves unto God. But what was happening was that these people that were selling the cattle, selling the sheep, you follow me this tonight, church? Yeah. The people that were selling these things were, were, were actually inflating the price so much were, that, they were eat, they, that they were getting rich off of it, that they were taking advantage of the people. And then the money changers, here's another thing. In order for you to use the temple services during this time, it cost you half a shekel. A shekel is pretty much a Jewish currency. And it cost them half a shekel. And and whenever you paid this fee, you had to pay in the Jewish currency. So there were money changers that set up tables all around here where people would go and they would exchange the money that they had that was Roman currency for Jewish currency. But what happened was there was an exchange fee. There was an exchange fee, and they would raise up the price so much that they were stealing from the people and the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, actually allowed for all this to take place. And they were taking advantage of the people and making profit. Okay, so I don't know if you own cattle in this place. I don't know what kind of animals you have. But can you imagine if we had a bring your pet to church day? Some of you guys would love that. Or bring your animal to church day. Now, can you imagine we're here worshiping God. We're, we're here in the house of God. And all of a sudden, you just hear, moo. Mmm. Meow. <laughs> you just hear all that going on in, in the house of God. And people are back there, they're gambling, they're betting money and it's like, you're just like, thank you Jesus. And there's like the cow runs by you. It's like, what is going on right now? There's sheep, there's birds flying over the place. That's essentially what was going on at, at, at the temple. It had turned into a zoo. It had turned into a place where people were profiting off of other people people were taking advantage of one another and Jesus stepped into the temple and he said, hey, enough is enough. I can't stand for this anymore. I gotta put my foot down because I have so much passion and I have so much love for my father's house. I can't allow this to happen anymore. And guess what? Just like the temple is made out of three different parts, we ourselves are made out of three different parts. You have your body, you have your soul, and you have your spirit. Three is the number of fulfillment in the Bible. It's the number of wholeness. It's the number of perfection. Three is the number of perfection. So whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, it says that the veil was torn. The veil was in the temple. The veil is what separated the presence of God from all of humanity, and only the high priest could enter into there. And it says that whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that the veil was torn. He who knew no sin became sin, so that way you can... Become, you, know, you can become the righteousness of God. And whenever Jesus Christ died for you, guess who became the temple? You did. So whenever Jesus was flipping temples, whenever Jesus was flipping the tables in the temple, he wasn't just flipping the tables in the temple. He was actually flipping the definition of the temple. Right. He was flipping the definition of the temple because when it, before Jesus, your spirit is dead. But whenever you experience Jesus, whenever you accept Jesus in your life, you go from being a tomb to becoming a temple in your life. If you believe that and you love God and you just believe that we serve a great God and you're thankful for his blood and his sacrifice, can you give him a hand clap tonight? Come on. What am I trying to say? You are a temple. Say, I'm a temple. You follow me tonight, church? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says this. "Do Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Say, I am not my own. Whenever you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you're also accepting the Holy Spirit coming into into your body, into your temple. And the same way that Jesus entered the temple of Jerusalem is the same way that he wants to enter into the temple of your life. And remember, we gotta learn how to keep things clean. We've got to remember how to keep things organized, you know? If you want to have a clean house, you've got to know when to kick things out. Whenever spring cleaning comes around, you, if you want to have a clean car, you've got to learn how to kick things out. And if you want to have a clean temple, you've got to know when to kick some things out. Amen? Amen. Right. And I think so many of us are so much better at keeping our cars clean, keeping our houses clean, and keeping our storages clean than we are keeping our soul clean. <laughs> But I think it's about time that we said tonight, you know what? I can't allow everything into my life to stay there. Sometimes I got to kick some things out, and I have have to have a standard. I can't tolerate anything. Anybody believe that with me tonight? Uh, See, the truth is a clean church is made up of clean temples. A clean church, a clean body is made up of clean temples. A healthy church is made up of healthy families. And it says in Scripture that whenever Jesus comes back, because Jesus Christ is coming back one day, he's going to descend from heaven, and he's coming back for his bride, the church, the body of Christ, the body of believers. He's coming back for us. Whenever he comes back, he's coming back for a pure, and he's coming back for a spotless bride. So I just think it's about time for each and every single one of us to do our part and say, you know what? I think it's about time that I clean my house. Amen? See, what are you tolerating right now that is draining you? What tables have you been setting up in your life that Jesus said, no, it's about time that we turn them over? God gave me three points tonight. And I really feel like this word is for somebody in this place. Because God's been speaking to me throughout this whole week. And I just want somebody to receive it. So if you have your heart open tonight to receive, I believe that God can move. Amen? Amen. So God gave me three things that we can't tolerate in our lives in order for us to have a clean temple. The first one is political agendas. you taking notes. Political agendas. <laughs> and I'm not talking about politics in terms of government, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, or whether you're an Independent. I'm talking about politics in terms of power and in terms of authority. Yeah. See, people that have political agendas always think about, you know, you know, who's at the top? How can I get to the top? How can I make a name for myself. Everybody else, it doesn't matter about anybody else, I'm going to take advantage of other people. Other people are just stepping stones. I got to climb this ladder. I got to get to the top. And everything that they do, even if they do it nicely, even if they do things that even seem good, did you know that you can even do good things the wrong way with the wrong spirits? People that have political agendas always think about themselves. They always think about themselves. I remember this one time I went to this church event. Whenever I was at this church event, you know, uh, the service had ended, and I saw one of the speakers for that night at the end of the service, and I decided to go talk to him, and whenever I was walking up to him, I noticed that he was surrounded by a lot of young ministers, and one of the young ministers had asked him, you know, hey, pastor, like, what advice would you give us, you know, since we want to get involved in ministry? Like, what advice would you give us? And I, I, you know, I didn't step into the conversation, But you know, I kind of overheard the conversation, so I said, I need to hear a little bit of this too. Because I'm I'm young, I'm getting into ministry. But he had told him this, it shocked me. He said, ministry is all about getting yourself out there. Ministry is one of the most competitive industries in the world. In fact, if you want to survive in ministry, you've got to be aggressive. You've got to build your brand. You gotta build your platform. You got to reach out to every single person that you can. Reach out to every single organization that you can. Reach out to every pastor that you can. Reach out to every venue that you can. You got to make a name for yourself because if you don't do that, you're not going to last. So I kind of overheard that. I decided, you know what, I don't want to really talk to this guy. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I thought the gospel, like the, the gospel is not about me making my, myself famous. The gospel is all about making Jesus famous. The gospel is not about making myself famous. It's all about making Jesus famous. It's not about using other people, you know, and, and stepping on them so that way I can make a name for myself. Because that's what the money changers were doing. And that's what the Pharisee, I just feel this in my spirit right now. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what the money changers were doing. And that's what the salespeople were doing at the temple. They weren't taking advantage of other people at the temple. They were focused on the income that they were focused on the outcome. They were thinking to themselves, you know, you know what, what can I get out of this? Instead of saying, what can I give out of this? It's not about you. It's all about him. They say, what can I get out of this? And saying, instead of saying, what can I give out of this? I think we need to start saying I think we need to start asking ourselves, not what can the church give to me. I think we need to start asking, what can I give to the church? We need to start asking, what can I give to the church? See, personal political relations is like a cancer in the body of Christ. And Jesus said that the last, the first will be last and the last will be first. Keep on serving God. It doesn't matter if people overlook you, God sees you. Man looks at the outside, but God looks on the inside. Keep on honoring people. Keep on loving people. Keep on showing yourself friendly to people. Yeah. Keep on honoring people. Honor up. Honor down. Honor all around. Because honor, uh, honor is the currency of elevation. And guess what? It pays to stay true and have integrity and have character. And just, you know, humble yourself to God. Humble yourself to God. Keep on serving God. Because being humble is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking less about... it's think, Okay, let me get this. Being humble is not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking about yourself less. That's what humble is being all about. Amen? Amen. Second thing we can't allow in our lives, in our temple, is propaganda. Propaganda. Some of y'all see that word like, what is propaganda? Propaganda is simply a fancy way of saying gossip. That's what it is. It's a fancy way of saying gossip. I remember one time, this guy had left her church a long time ago, and he started calling up all these people in the church, started reaching out to all these people in the church, spreading lies, slandering, just gossiping, talking bad about the church. And let me tell you tonight, whenever other people aim low, you go high, you show yourself friendly to everybody, because characters and integrity speaks for itself, and God vindicates, and God knows all things, and God is the judge, Amen. So he had been going around, and I was with my friend at IHOP. And my friend attended the church, and my friend was getting a phone call from an unknown number. And he was like, I don't know who's calling me right now. He said, Caleb, why don't you just answer? So I answered the phone, and I said, hey, hey who's this? He said, this is so-and-so. And it happened to be the person that was causing a lot of issues. And he said, is this person around? And this was a long time ago. And the, and the person said, <laughs> I said, Yeah, he's actually right next to me. He said, who's this? I said, this is Caleb Rivera. I said, this is Caleb Rivera. Let me hand the phone over to this person. I hand the phone over to that person. In the middle, between me handing the phone over to my friend, my friend gets the phone, he puts it to his ear, and he says, hey, what's up? Nobody answered. The guy had hung up in the middle of me handing the phone because he knew, you know, I'm Pastor Bobby's son, and he thought to himself, oh my goodness, I made a mistake. My friend calls that person later on, and, and he gets a hold of him, and um, the person says, you know, my, my friend asked, you know, what, what did you want? He said, oh, I just wanted to call and check on you, but I knew deep down that he was calling to just gossip to him. Uh, let me just tell you a little something tonight, students, parents, you know, grandparents. Be careful of people that always want to gossip to you because more than likely, they're also going to start gossiping about you. Be careful of the person that always comes to your ear and gossips about other people because more than likely they're also going to gossip about you as well. And don't believe half of what you hear because there's always two sides to every single story. See, what was happening in the scripture is that after the Pharisees and after the religious leaders saw what Jesus was doing, they started coming together and they were plotting against Jesus. They were trying to, they're putting a plan together to kill him. And they were spreading rumors about Jesus. They were trying to ruin his ministry. In other words, they were gossiping, and they were plotting behind his back. Because one thing I've realized is that people are really quick to believe bad things that they hear about good people. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Don't allow gossip to creep into your life, church. I'm just going to tell you that right now. If somebody gossips to you, sometimes you've got to shut that down and say, you know what? I, I don't talk like that, or you know, I, I don't wanna hear about that right now, or let, you know, because the truth is, we are not called to be stumbling blocks, we're called to be building blocks to edify and build one each other, speak positive things <laughs> over one another, because gossip is infectious, and gossip is insecure. Yeah. And I think a lot of problems in this world would disappear if we simply decided to talk to each other instead of talking about one another. Yeah. A lot of problems would disappear if we simply decided, let's talk to each other, let's get this figured out instead of talking about each other. Because the truth is, the way you judge others says a lot more about you than it does the other person. I'm preaching tonight already, man. The way you judge other people actually is a reflection of who you are as much as it is a reflection of who they are. So be careful how bad and how negative you speak about other people. And don't judge other people just because they sin differently from the way that you do. Come on. You need to stop surrounding yourself with people who always spread gospel. You need to start surrounding yourself with people who spread the gospel and show the gospel by the life that they live. So we are called to build and edify one another. Political agendas. It's time to clean those out. Propaganda. It's time to kick those out. And the last thing that I want to talk about tonight is possessiveness. Possessiveness. See, the, par- the Pharisees, they were being possessive over the temple. And they were not letting in the lame and the blind because they had a false sense of ownership over the temple. When in reality, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the prophet of prophets... And the priest, a priest, stepped into the temple, and he was the head of the body. Yes. But still, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, here's the thing that blows my mind. Jesus, at the end of him doing everything that he did, he actually welcomes in the lame and the blind. You may read over this and think to yourself, oh, that's really sweet. But you've got to understand that this would have upset the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders so much to think about the lame and the blind coming into the temple because they had a commandment, they had a law put in place against lame and blind people coming into the temple. So I thought to myself like, why did they have this role in place? You know, why did this happen? I wanna show you guys a little example. Uh, Sebastian, Keanu, can you please come up real quick? So what actually happened, where they got this from was the scripture, thank you, these two fine looking gentlemen tonight, can you give them a hand clap? gonna help me out tonight yeah. so in second Samuel chapter 5 this is David talking he says the lame and the blind are not welcomed into my house which meant the temple but what the Pharisees and what they did was they took this scripture the teachers of the law they took the scripture they took it out of context and they didn't take in consideration the scripture that was before it and after it and apply that to their current day and age. What had happened, the reason that David said that is because a long time ago, Jerusalem, before it was called Jerusalem, it was called Zion. And Jerusalem was actually built before the Israelites even came into the promised land. It was built by nation. Because we all know the story, right? You know, God calls the the Israelites into the promised land, but there's a problem. The the promised land is inhabited, it's inhabited by seven different nations. One of the nations uh, was the Jebusites. And the Jebusites built a city, and that was the city of Jerusalem. They had founded it. And what what David had to do was he had to go and conquer that city, he had to go and take care of that city. But whenever you went to the city of Jerusalem at the time, Zion, it was already occupied by the Jebusites. So what happened was David approaches Jerusalem or Zion, and the Jebusites, which these two guys right here, if you haven't caught it right, they are the Jebusites. They start making fun. I felt you guys need to see a visual example of this to understand it. They start making fun of David. They go as far as saying, you know, like, the, the, even if we were lame, and even if we were blind, you couldn't even come into the Jerusalem. You couldn't even get over these walls. David because he's David, he comes and he actually conquers. He gets the guys out of here. Get out of here, guys. (laughs) He conquers Jerusalem and the Jebusites get out. And once David does that, uh, David makes a statement by saying, the lame and the blind are now welcomed into my house. He was not referring to literal lame and blind people. He was referring to the Jebusites. Now I want Josh... And I want Leo to come up here real quick. Bring that over to him, Alex. It's okay. You can step up up there. I know that you're going to become lame. So Josh is the lame person. He's the lame person, right? And Leo is the blind person. There you go. Thank you. So imagine this. For hundreds of years, the blind people... And the lame people were not welcomed into the temple. They couldn't come into the most holy place, the the most holy part of Jerusalem. They weren't allowed in there because man put up barriers and borders. And they said, you can't come in because you're of defect. And the Pharisees and Sadducees took that scripture out of context. And they probably thought to themselves, you know, we're so great. You know, God's so good. You know, look at us. Aren't we great? We shouldn't even let the blind and the lame people, the leopard, the people that have leprosy, we couldn't, we can't let any of these people come into this house. All I'm gonna say right now is that you can either be the barrier or you can be the bridge. Because whenever Jesus Christ came, when the Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody else said, You, you can't come into you can't come into God's house. Look at yourself. You're blind. And this is Miss Opie Scooter. This is the best thing that we got tonight, guys. This is Miss Opie Scooter that she had. I was trying to find crutches or a wheelchair or something, but this is what we got right now. <laughs> you can't come into the house. Don't you see how messed up you are? Don't you see how jacked up you are? Pharisees and Sadducees had said that for such a long time. But whenever Jesus Christ stepped onto the scene, he changed the game. He said, you know what? I'm here right now, I'm kicking all these other things out, I'm I'm putting my house in order, I'm cleaning the house, and before Jesus could welcome the unclean in, he had to push out, he had to take the unclean out, and whenever he welcomed, whenever he came into the temple, he welcomed them with open arms, and he said, hey, come on in right now, come on in right here, guys, you can, don't fall off the stage, Leo. He welcomed them in, and not only did, (laughs) did he do that, but he healed them. He healed them. And they were welcome to come into the temple. <laughs> this, was, this is free right here. Whenever you give God your weaknesses, he will give you his strength. Come on. Come on. And we have a God that can heal. We have a God that can set free. We have a God that can deliver. We have a God that is good. And I'm believing here at Covenant Life Center that we're going to have people that are, are going to come through these doors in wheelchairs and walkers People that are going to come in here with diseases. People that are going to walk in here with addictions. People that are going to walk in here with problems. Because guess what? We all have problems. And we're going to pray over them. And we're going to plead the blood of Jesus over them. And they're going to give their life to Jesus. And they're going to spirit Jesus. And they're going to be healed. And they're going to be set free. The Bible says, greater works in my name shall you do. Do we have a church in here that has faith and believes that we serve a great God that can still heal? They were welcomed into God's house. You're welcome. Jesus leveled the playing field. What I'm trying to say tonight is God is no respecter of person. None of us are greater than one another. All of us are hurting. All of us are sick. The church is not a country club for people that have it all together. The church is a hospital for those that are sick. And this house, this church, this warehouse, the property that we're about to go to, it's not even ours. It all belongs to him. It all belongs to Jesus. He will get the glory. He will get the honor. He will receive the praise because he is good and he owns it all. And we can't become so selfish or think it's ours so much. We build cliques where we don't welcome any other people, where we think we're so good. But I promise you, church. If you welcome people like Jesus Christ welcomed you, we can see a city turned upside down, and we can see life changed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Anybody believe that tonight? Thank you, guys. Possessiveness. Possessiveness. This is a church where you can belong before you behave. A church where you can belong before you believe. Don't judge others just because they sin different from you. This is all God's. all of this. The church was God's idea. See, Jesus knew that he had to kick things out to make room for something better. He knew that this house, his house was called to be a house of prayer. I love how Jesus welcomed in the lame and the blind. And I know I'm talking a lot about what we're against. We're against that. We're against that. We're against this. We're against that. All I'm trying to say tonight is this. Jesus Christ loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. He loves you just the way you are, but he wants to see you become the best possible version of yourself. I understand a lot of us are gifted, a lot of us are talented, a lot of us have a lot of blessings in our life, but let us never get to a place where we stop helping other people. You may have heard a thousand messages, you may have read the Bible a thousand times. Guess what? You still need the ch- you still need the church because you can still help other people. You can still disciple other people. You can still lead other people to Jesus. All I'm trying to say is I think it's about time that some of us pick up the broom. We pick up the dustpan and we start cleaning our temple. Because a healthy church is made up of healthy temples. A healthy church is made up of healthy temp- temples can we stand to our feet tonight anybody receive something tonight i hope you guys did see the church is not a country club for the perfect but it's a hospital for the sick just like david he was referring to the jebusites whenever he said the lame and the sick but Jesus Christ, whenever he stepped into the scene, he knew that everyone was welcomed all along. Let us be a church where we, where we welcome people with loving arms. Where we love people right where, where they're at. Where we pray for people. Yes, I said pray for people. It's not enough just to put a comment on Facebook saying, hey, I'm gonna pray for you and not pray for anybody. You gotta really pray for people. You gotta really believe in people. You gotta really pray for people. Because by prayer, we can see lives changed. By action, we can see God do amazing things. Can we do one thing tonight before we leave this building? I wanna pray over you guys and I'm gonna hand the service over. I want to pray tonight over every person. Maybe you've heard a little bit about what I've said. Maybe you grabbed one thing. Maybe you grabbed a lot of things about what I said. Now is a time for you to respond to God's word. Now is a time where you say to yourself, you know what, Caleb, you know, I, I, I've wrestled, because I think we've all wrestled with a little bit of those things. I know I have in, in my past, but I think it's about time where we come to Jesus. We say, you know, God, I'm not going to play games with you anymore. I, I'm going to get real with you. I, I'm going to try better. I'm going to do better. I want to live better, God. God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray a blessing over you before you leave this place. God, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's here, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your spirit, for your anointing, Jesus. I believe that you're in this place right now, God. I just pray tonight, God, that we would realize and we'd recognize, God, the things in our bodies, God, the things in our lives that, that have been there for way too long, they've been taking up space, God. I pray that tonight we would have conviction in the areas that need convicting, God. That you would lead us, God, the way that you lead us, God. And that you'd begin to remove things from our lives, God. So right now, Lord, we just simply all together, we just lay things at your feet, Jesus. There's nothing too big for you. There's no sin too big. There's nothing too great or too messy, God, for you, Jesus. We lay everything at your feet, God, because we believe that only you, Jesus, can clean the house. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for somebody in this place. Maybe you're in this place and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Nobody can get to heaven without accepting Jesus. That whenever Jesus was on the cross, that you were on his mind. And Jesus didn't come to give you what you deserve. Jesus Christ came to give you what he deserves. That Jesus loves you. That God is real. I want to pray over you right now. Maybe in your place you've never started a relationship with God. You've never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. What I want you to do is just repeat it after me. Maybe you've said this prayer a thousand times. You can never say it enough times. Say it every day. Declare it over your life. I just want you to repeat after me. Say, God, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my wrongs. I forgive other people. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I believe if you pray that prayer that your life will never be the same. You'll never ever be the same. We love you guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Y'all be blessed. Love you guys. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info@clcvictoria.org. At you can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.